This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to the Richard Blackbee Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host. And joining me, father of three, <laughs> uh, grandfather, grandfather of, of many more, <laughs> is uh, Dr. Richard Blackbee. Good to be with you, Sam. It's always a pleasure. And uh, we thought for this episode, since we're right on the the heels of Father's Day. Uh, we'd, we'd take time and uh, look at what it means to be a godly man and uh, what it means to be uh, a good dad and, and uh, the calling that God places uh, on the lives of men. And uh, with that, uh, Richard, why don't you take it away? <laughs> I know that uh, this is particularly aimed at men uh, this week, but um, I, I think it's important just in light of... Uh, of the fact it was just Father's Day that um, we we maybe just focus a little bit a uh, challenge to men and so if you're yeah. a woman then you can be encouraging the men in your life to to be like this and if you're a man then um, just to talk a bit about uh, some things I think all of us as men are challenged with and of course I just have to kind of say as a preamble that talking about this doesn't mean I'm perfect at it. it as my son-in-law you can testify to that <laughs> but um, no, I, won't, it's, I won't say <laughs> uh, let me just read a, a passage first and then I'm going to just make a few observations just particularly some things I've learned and some things that maybe come out of this text but um, yeah. uh, Ephesians chapter 5 let me just start at verse 25 it says husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might all, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and, w- and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church." For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his, of his bones. Uh, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And then just down in verse 4 in the next chapter, verse, uh, chapter 6, it says, And you fathers... Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So just a couple of observations uh, about that. Uh, first, just let me say that the world is stacked against godly men. The, mm-hmm. the world, everything in the world is working against you being a godly man. Of course, uh, so much of society has been sexualized today. Pornography is rampant. Uh, advertising, uh, I mean, they might just be advertising a pizza and yet they'll have sexual overtones to it uh, yeah. or, or or selling a car. And it's like, if you want to have all the beautiful women date you, uh, just have this car. And it, you can't even just buy a product anymore without sex being involved in some way uh, discreetly or overtly. Uh, and there's a lot of things that bombard us that, that play to our ego. Uh, and try to say you'll really be a man if you own this or do yeah. this or go here, um, and it's all and and advertising is always comparing you. Uh, it's comparing what you have, what you dress in, what you drive in, what you live in, 
with what other people have that are yeah. obviously successful. And so it, it, it's almost as if the world bombards us trying to compare us with others and make us feel inadequate. Well, and on top of that, you have the layer of social media. So not yeah. only advertisers are telling you what, how you're deficient and how their product can can make you sufficient. Yeah. Uh, but But then you have people that you would have never compared yourself to previously that, that you're able to look and see what sort of life they apparently have. Yeah. And of course in social media, everybody's putting their best foot forward sure, yeah. and, uh, and Photoshopping it or whatever else. Uh, and, and when you look at that, you compare yourself. And so there's a, there's a lot of messages that are going out every day, bombarding men about what a real man is, what a real man does. And so I, I think like with all areas of life, you need to go back to God's word and say, well, but what does God say that I need to, that, that, that a real man does? And, uh, and of course, this passage in Ephesians 5 is somewhat controversial because it tells wives that they need to submit to their husbands and that the husband's the head uh, of the family. And that, that's quite offensive to a lot of women these days in this egalitarian uh, kind of uh, society. And I don't want to get into all of that and have a bunch of people mad at me on this podcast. But uh, but I, what I do want to do is I want to focus in on the men and what they're supposed to do. Because it says that basically husbands are to love their wives the very same way that Christ loved the church. And um, and then it goes on to say what Christ did. He, he saw the church was in need. The church was lacking and so what does Christ do? He, he didn't condemn the church. He didn't uh, leave the church and go find a different church that find a prettier met church. his needs. <laughs> yeah. What did he do? Yeah. He, he laid his life down for the church. Uh, mm-hmm. And he did everything he could so that he could present the church uh, sanctified, cleansed, uh, not having spot, uh, rink, or any such thing, but holy without blemish. And, and it's, a, it's a beautiful picture of Christ looking at the church that was not all that it was supposed to be. And then he paid any price. He made any sacrifice to help the church become all that uh, it was meant to be there. There's no sense of 50, 50 Christ didn't say, okay, church, I'll go, I'll meet you halfway. I'll do this much for you. If you do this much for me, or Christ didn't say you haven't been meeting all of my needs. So I'm not going to try to meet your needs. Yeah. There was no deal making. No, it was just, uh, I'll lay my life down, uh, for, for you. And, and, you know, I, I think a lot of times we're not used to that kind of love. And so when, when Christ said, uh, wives, you, you need to submit, uh, to the leadership of your husband, that, that wasn't, he wasn't saying, yeah, so the, the, you know, men can be chauvinistic bosses of their wives and every night the man gets whatever he wants and gets to eat whatever he wants, gets uh, priority. He sits and watches TV while you do all the work and, and so on and, and sort of serve him. And that's not what Christ is talking about. What he's saying is, husbands, love your wife so much that you would willingly lay everything down to make her the best version of her that she could be. Mm-hmm. And, and, why, and basically what Christ is saying is, wives, why wouldn't you want to uh, be with someone like that? Why wouldn't yeah. you just give yourself to a man that was willing to do anything for you? Uh, and so it's a beautiful picture of two people loving themselves, or each other, uh, to such a degree that you can trust the other person. I mean, you can, you can follow someone who's going to lay his life down for you that yeah. everything he does is in your best interest. 
Well, you can trust someone like that. You're, th- those kind of people aren't going to exploit you. Uh, they're not going to take advantage of you. Um, and and when someone says, "Well, how how does a how does a father and how does a husband um, lead in the home?" I, the way I always phrase it is, uh, as a man, if you're going to be a spiritual leader in your home, whether it's for your kids or for your your wife, that means that you take the lead in always doing the right thing. Um, that's really what it means to be a leader. It doesn't mean that you're a dictator. It doesn't mean that you always get your way. What it means is if there's a right thing to do, you always go first in doing it. So if you and your wife are having a disagreement uh, and someone needs to apologize, maybe you both need to apologize, but you don't wait for her to do it. You take the lead. You go first. And if it's uh, to uh, be praying for your kids. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had some men come to me and, and just flat out say, my wife is the prayer in our home. She's in our marriage. She's, she's the prayer warrior. Well, it's great that your wife prays, but, uh, men, what this is saying is you take the lead in doing the right thing. That means you, you lead out in bringing the spiritual leader in your home. You don't, you don't delegate the the spiritual things to your wife and say you pray you you read the bible you know you care for our kids spiritual needs it says husband father if you're the leader then you take the lead you set the example and you be aware that there's people that are constantly watching you little little eyes of your kids uh, watching your example and so set the example uh, if if something's not right in your home, don't wait for your wife to fix it. Uh, husband, you fix it. If, if there's a need to be met, uh, you get up and you meet the need and uh, take the lead. So I tell men, uh, now maybe you're a single man right now. Maybe you're not married. Uh, what, what I encourage people to do is lead well with what you've been given. So if God's not given you a wife or kids, at least at this point, uh, then be a good steward of what he has given you. He's given you you. He's given you your body to take care of. He's given you your time to uh, invest and steward. And uh, and I know some I know some single men that are very careless with their time, with their bodies, with their health. Uh, I know some single men that you know some of the statistics are kind of alarming about how much time single men spend on things like computer games. Yeah. Uh, hours and hours and hours of squandered time. And and I you and I both been single men. We know that yeah. you know you can kind of feel like when you're younger you've got time to burn, you can do whatever you want. But I've also known some single men that use their singleness and the freedom it gave them uh to serve the Lord, uh to invest in younger boys maybe I, I you know my two sons when they were teenagers there was a, a a single young man at the time named Mitch that uh, just loved teenage kids and uh, he just loved investing in them and he volunteered in the youth group and he was a great encourager and he was free to go to all the youth events and chaperone and drive them in his car and uh, because he wasn't tied down with family of his own at the time he could hang out with the, the youth and uh, was just a great influence on my boys, and they loved him and appreciated him. And, and there were many people that uh, walked with the Lord because this single man just gave his free time uh, and invested it wisely. Yeah. And uh, so if you're single, find ways um, you know, to, uh, to invest it in things that matter. Don't squander it, thinking I'm young and single and free. I just, I'll just 
you know, waste a lot of my time in life. But if God's given you a wife, then the key is uh, help her become. Uh, your wife, year by year, ought to be better because she's married to you. Mm. Uh, she ought to be better at, in her deeper in her walk with God. She ought to have more confidence. You know, I, th- this world has a way of just kind of beating the confidence right out of people. And uh, uh, th- there's just so much insecurities that people wrestle with. And, you know, part of being a man is helping your wife to have confidence. And there will be times where your wife will maybe want to do something or feel like God is leading her to, but she's going to second guess herself and worry that she can't do it or isn't skilled enough. And, um, you know, she needs to know that her husband at least believes in her, that her husband yeah. encourages her, equips her, is willing to, you know, I've, I, w- my wife and I haven't always had just tons of money, but if my wife wanted to do something that bettered herself, if she wanted to take a lesson, if she needed to get, you know, this, uh, some help in some way, uh, I always want, I always wanted to make that a priority to say, Hey, if you want to learn something and take a class, uh, develop a skill, go see a, a, a consultant. And, you know, if there's anything you want to do that you feel like is going to help you move where, to where God wants you to be, I, I think as a husband, you, you want to be all in. And, yeah. uh, uh, even if you have to sacrifice maybe some things of your own, you know, to say, Hey, we only got enough money for one of us to do something. Let me take the lead and letting you go first. And, uh, that, 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 that's laying down of your life to help your wife become, uh, you know, I, I think you need to just take an inventory each year. I've, I've told the story before, but when my dad, uh, proposed to my, my mother, he, one of the first things he asked her was what, what promises have you kept, uh, what, what promises have you made to God as a young person, as a teenager, did you make some commitments to God that God maybe called on you to do some things and you said that you would. And my dad said, tell me all the promises you've made to God, because if you marry me, I'm, I'm going to spend the rest of my life helping you keep those promises and uh, mm. follow through with what God told you to do and what you said you would do to God, uh, for God. And then, then if God's certainly, if he's given you kids, he's, if he's made you a father, uh, that's an enormous, enormous stewardship. And, yeah. you know, I know Sam, just when you, when you look at that uh, beautiful little blue-eyed girl, Claire of yours, uh, and you realize you are her only father, and yeah. the, and what she, how she views men, how she views fathers, uh, is going to be, you know, mostly determined by what she sees in you. And of course, you know, there's so many people today that had bad experiences with their fa- their earthly father. And, uh, and now that affects and, and tarnishes the way they view their heavenly father. And yeah. if their earthly father was not trustworthy, then they have a really hard time trusting their heavenly father. And if their earthly father was always getting angry and was harsh or he was demanding or you could never please him, then that is exactly how those people will view God in heaven. They'll have to they'll wrestle with that. And so when I realized the kind of, earthly father I am to my kids is going to affect the way they, they relate to God. Well, then that's, that's a huge stewardship. Yeah. I want to, I want to make their heavenly father as attractive as I possibly can. And, uh, and so I need to show them that fathers are loving, they're trustworthy, that they have your best interest at, at heart, 
that you, you can trust them to care for you. Um, and so when they go to God, they'll realize they'll already be predisposed to trust this Father in mm-hmm. heaven. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a lot of responsibility there that is given uh, to men. And so, you know, if you, at whatever stage you, you, you've been, you are at, you may be a single man, you might be a, a, a married father with, with six kids. Uh, at whatever God's given you, have you been faithful with that? Uh, yeah. the, the principle is if you're faithful in a little, God gives you more that hopefully it doesn't mean just more kids after more kids, but, yeah. but he will, uh, but, but he holds you accountable, not for what he hasn't given you, but what he has. So, right. Uh, and so th- as men, I think, uh, and whenever we come around to father's day, uh, we want to celebrate fathers and thank God for uh, them. But I think as 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 a as a man, as a father myself, now as a grandfather, I always want to also take a spiritual inventory to say, and God, what would it take for me to be a better father, a better husband, yeah. uh, a better grandfather than I've been so far? I, I I know there's always room for improvement, and this is a leadership podcast, and so we want to keep growing and not just take it for granted. And um, and that means maybe you know, as you look at your dad, you might have had a great dad. But there also may be ways you could improve on yeah. the way you were fathered. You, your, your dad may have done the best he could, but, but you've reflected and you've observed and you feel that there might be some ways you could even take that to another level and, and good for your kids then because you, you continue to grow as a dad. Yeah, if you had a if you had a a good dad, then what a great foundation to to build from and and continue that and improve yeah. that legacy. So yeah, and that's what that's what legacies are. Just every generation standing on the shoulders of the ones yeah. who went before, and so you have that whole foundation to 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 learn from and grow from. And because you had a healthy experience, now you have the inherent health to to even go further in yeah. your generation. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break here. This fall, Black Abbey Ministries is hosting two spiritual leadership coaching workshops, one in the Atlanta area and the other is fully online. The focus of these workshops are learning how to ask the right questions to help move people onto God's agenda. The online workshop is September 13th through the 15th, and the in-person workshop is October 21st through the 23rd. To find out more and to register, visit blackabbeycoaching.org. Links will be in the show notes. Well, Richard, as we mentioned in the beginning, you know, the... the the world kind of portrays men and and uh, husbands and dads especially sort of in a in a negative light but uh you as you read in scripture there in Ephesians uh it's a pretty high calling to be a man of God to yeah. be a husband to be a father and uh maybe just in the last few minutes we have uh, what are some other ways that uh we can take our our dadding and our <laughs> husbanding to the uh next level well, you know, I think this is a word too for men listening today, and that is, uh, don't don't try to find your worth the the way the world does. The the, the, mm, yeah. the world says, you know, you got a three year old car, what a loser! <laughs> you know, yeah. look look at all the new features now that are out there. Or yeah, see, I I, I my strategy with the cars is just have have a car so old that it's, you know, you're not even tempted to, like, you know, <laughs> trade it in for the latest model. Yeah, well, because yours, Cause are, you yours are classic. Yeah, yeah your, yours are vintage. I'm, I'm um, about to be able to just miss that emissions <laughs> test, you know, because it's so old. Uh, yeah, they didn't even have exhaust back when they <laughs> built your car. Uh, yeah, um, 
You know, Romans 8 says that if you, the spirit of God within us testifies that we are children of God. And if children, then we're fellow heirs with Christ. And, you know, you read that and you see, now that is to be a, a, a child of God. Like that's, that's important to be able to yeah. share in the inheritance that Christ has. That's, that's pretty, deal. that's pretty, you know, awesome. Uh, cars come and go. You buy, buy a brand new car that you might treasure, but eventually it goes to the scrap heap and you yeah. need to update it eventually. Even your cars eventually yeah. run out of gas. But, but, uh, but so to say, what, what, what gives you pleasure, you know? And I, and I, I mean, every man, and I, I'm included in that. You, th- there's just so many measuring sticks that the world uses to see yeah. how successful you are. And it's, it's hard to escape that. And sometimes I think you just need to come back as a man and say, you know, what really matters to me is that I'm my life is pleasing to God, that it honors God, that it blesses my family, that I look at my kids and I celebrate. Uh, you know, I was recently doing a conference with my son Daniel at the Billy Graham Cove, and uh, and there was a little Q&A time, a little comment time at, at a certain point, and several people were just uh, expressing gratitude for something my son Daniel had said. And... Uh, and so, so one man finally got the microphone and said, I, I, I just want to say to Richard, you know, I hope you don't feel bad that we're all going on and on about your son. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, I just said, keep going, keep yeah. going. Like, you know what? I, 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 I'm happy to decrease so that my kids can increase. And, yeah. uh, well, and, and, and that in itself is, I mean, what a great honor to you yeah. Yeah. to be able for people to see your kids and say, wow, I'm, you know, that just really moved me or they were such a blessing to me. Yeah. I can think, even just thinking of Claire, even at her young age, like what, there's nothing that I would treasure more than people loving her and and being appreciative of her and, and saying, oh, what a great, what a great girl she is and, and, you know, what a blessing she's been. Like, I can think of nothing that, yeah. would, that would please like, me more. Yeah, it, that feels better than when people are bragging about you, you know. Yeah. It, when they brag about my kids, that's even better. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, to just be so secure in who you are that you you truly can just find delight in giving yourself away uh, for others. Uh, you know, there's a interesting uh, place I, I visited a couple of years ago in uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, where the, the biggest cemetery is that has uh, the victims of the Titanic. Mm-hmm. And the interesting is a whole section and it all it, it's eerie because everybody there has the same death date. You know, they were born yeah. at different times, but all and died the same day uh, in 1912. And uh, uh, but what you notice there is that a lot the majority of the people that died, at least are that are buried in that graveyard are men. And I think somewhere like over 70% of all the men on board died. I think maybe about 25% of the women did, uh, but a m- much higher percentage of men. And you'd think, well, men are stronger, men can swim better, you know, men could have evacuated quicker. But of course, the men stood there and helped the women get into the lifeboats right. and lowered the lifeboats while the men stayed on board the ship to die. Um, and that's really the way, and that, that certainly happens in Christian cultures or it ought to, where if you've been raised by the scriptures, by the Christian God, God says to men, you don't go first. Being a spiritual leader doesn't mean that you get in the lifeboat first. It means that you put the the women and children in the boat first. Uh, you lay your life down for them. That's what 
you know, some, some people mistakenly think that the Christian God is a chauvinist who just puts men, you know, on the, on the pedestal. It's just the opposite. The Christian God tells the men, you, you get the women and children in the lifeboat. And, uh, and then you start swimming. Uh, yeah. but, uh, and, and that's really the call of, of men is, uh, is to do that. And, I, and, but, and the problem is though, that a lot of men, because the world says, Oh no, if you're successful, it's not that you raise great kids. It's that you got to the top of the corporate ladder that, yeah. that not that your kids all thought you were wonderful, but that your colleagues and, and adult friends thought you were great. Um, and so a lot of people mistakenly, uh, invest themselves in the wrong things. I, I'll never forget meeting a, per, a woman one time. Her dad was a pastor, and and she said he was a wonderful pastor. You you could call him at any hour of the day or night. He'd always be on the phone and he'd give you all the time you needed. He'd be he'd race over to wherever you were if you needed help. But he said he he wasn't that way with his own kids. Mm. Uh, they said the the church people knew that he was just a call away, but his kids could go long stretches of time where they he was too busy and preoccupied even to talk to them. And mm. she said it was so bad that when he finally died, the, the, the children gathered together to talk about, well, what do we do? Like, how, what kind of funeral do we have? And they were all so hurt that he had neglected them their entire lives that they finally just decided not to have a funeral. They said if... Uh, if he if he's going to have a funeral, let all the church people that wow. he gave his life to let them throw the funeral, which they didn't. Uh, but his own family would didn't even they just they just had him buried. And I thought, how tragic! This guy wasn't trying to be cruel, wasn't trying to be mean to his family. He just, in his misguided zeal to try to honor God, he neglected his own kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'll just tell you, it, I, I've been there where it's you can be tempted to because you've got a job to do that you feel like you can't be there for your family. But but but, but when you when you look back on it later, you say, well, you know, was were all these meetings, were all this this work related stuff as important as ministering to my family? And you, you're probably not going to regret having made your family a priority, uh, yeah. but you could well regret uh, if you don't even end up with a funeral <laughs> because yeah. you you kind of took your family for granted, and uh, that, yeah. that always in is the a grand, huge mistake. In the grand scheme of things, you know, what is it that actually matters and will make a difference? Yeah, is it that meeting? Is it that whatever? Yeah. Or is it is it being there when your family needs you? And that pastor, you know, I mean, he eventually retired. And the people in his church all moved on. They got a yeah. different pastor, and and uh, but he had his same kids. Uh, they stayed. They stayed, were always his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the church members came and went. Uh, and you know, last thing just to say, Sam, is just as a man, men in particular. Uh, let me encourage you just every year to to invest somehow in your your godly manhood. Uh, don't take it for granted. Uh, be growing as a man. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I know you uh, were a part of a, a men's prayer group that met on Friday mornings. So um, yeah. I think COVID kind of derailed that for a while. But uh, but that that was a, a great thing for a man just to say, hey, I'm going to meet and pray with some other men uh, at least once a week. Um, there's, there's always men's conferences. I'll be speaking at a men's conference uh, in August in Mississippi. I've I've spoken uh, virtually on a, a couple of men's events here this year, um, and th- there's always stuff out there that's. I'll tell you, the, I, I I like speaking to men's conferences because 
I, I feel like it, it does something for me just to be around a room full of men that are saying, God, just take my take me to another level of, of as a husband, as a father, as a man of God. Um, and I, I just think every year you ought to just almost find at least one conference or a book or join a group, uh, but do mm-hmm. something that that keeps speaking into that area of your life uh, and keeps encouraging you not to just sort of get stagnant and just say, well, I've, that's the kind of dad I've always been, the kind of husband I've always been, uh, kind of man of God I've always been. I'd say, well, that's not good enough uh, because you've had all these years to be better. Uh, why, why would you stay the same when yeah. year by year God's ready to take you to a deeper place? Hmm. Well, that's good, and I, I hope this has been an encouragement to all the the men that are, are listening today and, yeah. um, you know, for the for the fathers, for the dads, for the... Um, for the married, for the not married, hopefully married. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just a great encouragement uh, around Father's Day to to carry on being uh, the man that God has called you to be. And May this be just the best year yet of your manhood in God mm. and your fathering and your husbanding. May this be the the, exactly. the most fruitful, most joyful, most blessed year yet you've had as a godly man. Great. I think that's a great place to leave it. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.